Welcome to A Word with Dr. Shirley, a podcast for faith, inspiration, and empowerment. A Word with Dr. Shirley starts now. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to A Word with Dr. Shirley. Thanks so much for tuning in today. My name is Dr. Shirley, and I'm so excited to be with you today with my special guest, Veronica Sutherland, who will be speaking to us today from the topic of divorce-proof your marriage using biblical principles. Before we get started, I want to take a brief moment to quickly introduce Veronica. Veronica Sutherland is passionate about serving God through service to others. She is a Christian author, speaker, and mentor. Veronica helps married Christian women who are struggling to find happiness in their marriages and who are considering divorce to strengthen their relationship with God so that they can revive the love and joy in their marriage using biblical principles and prayer support. Her 37 years married to the same man, 40 plus years experience in family life education and Christian education has given her a unique perspective on marriage centered on biblical principles. She is a self-published author, publishing several books, the latest being a 30-day devotional, Talking Daily with God, a 30-day challenge to develop the discipline of daily prayer. It was nominated in the 2021 Author Elite Awards Religious Category. Her dedication, sound biblical knowledge, patience, and willingness to go the extra mile inspires and encourages and motivates women to strengthen their faith. Welcome, welcome, woman of God. It's so amazing to have you here today. Thank you. And I am looking forward to sharing with you today. Yes, ma'am. And so this topic is a very relevant topic. We know that we are living in a time where divorce is at an all-time high globally. So this is definitely a global issue. And my hope is that through this conversation that we can help women and men that are tuned in navigate this topic successfully. So without further ado, can you tell us, woman of God, what has God placed on your heart concerning this subject? Okay. Marriage is a lifelong covenant. <laughs> That's the first thing. Or it should be a lifelong covenant. It is something that you enter into with a man and a woman and with God as at the center. It's not just a covenant between you and your spouse. It's a, also a covenant between you and God. Because God says you leave your father and mother and you take unto yourself a wife. You become one and let nobody separate you. And so God expects that it is going to be a lifelong covenant. He also has laid it on my heart that it is the institution that resembles Christ's relationship with the church most in, mm -hmm. on earth. And because of that, marriages are targeted. Because mm -hmm. Satan is after Christ and mm -hmm. the church. My God. And uh, marriages mirroring Christ and the church. He is also after marriages. And My so God. we are targeted. And, and that's one of the reasons why we have so many challenges in our marriage. But we have to put God at the center of it. 
My the God. challenges will come. They are going to come. We are targeted. Oh, absolutely. First and foremost, <laughs> two things you said that I want to touch on. First, the major point being that God must be kept at the center of any uh, uh, kingdom marriage or just any marriage in general, because there's a difference between, <laughs> I believe anyway, a kingdom marriage and just, you know, a marriage yes. according to the world standards. Mm -hmm. um, but the marriage that God has ordained, the marriage that God has signed off on, he must be at the center. You know, the, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12, it says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken, right? And so this verse is telling us that a three-stranded cord is very difficult to break. And so most times the problem today is that people are coming in, leaving God out, right? And expecting yes. God to make it work without him actually being invited in right or when it falls mm -hmm. apart then they go to god yeah. um, so that's point one and the second point is you talked about marriage being a covenant now a lot of people don't even know what that means so i want to give you an opportunity to talk to us watch you know what does it mean for marriage to be covenant versus a you know contract or an agreement you know this is a language that is used today <laughs> Um, as opposed to covenant, but I want you to talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, covenant is a commitment that you have made, that you are going to do this thing, come what may. Mm -hmm. So it, it, is a, it is a deep agreement. People used to cut their hands, each other's hands, and mix the blood to show just how committed they are to this relationship, to the relationship. And so a covenant, it is something that you, you don't enter into lightly. It is yeah. something that you expect that it's going to be lasting for a lifetime. It's not something that you just jump out of at the first hint of trouble. It is a lifelong commitment. Amen, amen. And that, again, that commitment, that covenant is between a man and a woman and God, right? Yes, and yes. and God again, this marriage has to have those three strands in order to it to endure the storms of life, right? Because if right. God is not at the center, there's certain storms that's going to come <laughs> that will not that you won't make it through. Your marriage will not stand. There's a scripture that talks about unless the Lord builds a house, I believe it's Psalm one seven unless the lord builds a house the builder builds in vain yeah in vain. again if god is not at the center if god is not at the foundation if god is not uh uh, uh you know in every in your spouse in you you know invited into all of the things that you're doing or planning to do just count on there being difficulties that you may not survive and so i think this is one of the reasons why this conversation is so important because people make light today of marriage and entering and exiting, <laughs> right? Yes. People, the, the world has caused us to make very light um, of it. And so why do you think that is, before we go any deeper, why do you think marriage is so lighthearted, you know, nowadays? Uh, because of uh, 
Hollywood uh, and those romance novels that we read when we are children. That oh, oh. Wow, yeah. You, you find a husband and he's going to treat you well. Rich husband, by the way. <laughs> That's going to treat you well and you are just going to ride off into the sunset with him and everything is going to be okay. And you, you don't have to there will be no hardships because they are so much in love. And and so you, the first time you have that small fight, <laughs> you are ready to go back home to your mother <laughs> because you didn't expect that you are going to be having any disagreements with your spouse. That and that, so I think that is, that is the problem. And that's that not so all marriages. There are going so to be conflicts. That is so true. You know, wow. <laughs> that is so true. I, I definitely believe everything you just said. And one of the things that I was thinking as you were speaking um, is a, one of the major reasons why Hollywood has succeeded at, you know, um, skewing or, or distorting what marriage is to, to, to the world in terms of redefining what a successful marriage is all about, what marriage looks like, um, is one, because we've allowed them. Two, yeah. we have disregarded as believers what the Bible has to say about marriage because we've so adopted what the world has to say that the Bible really is not the final authority anymore. And furthermore, people don't understand something major, which you talked about in the beginning. You talked about how marriage is a mirror image of the Godhead, right? Yes. We need to elaborate on that because that is such a powerful point. Um, because if people understand that right there, that would cancel 50% of our divorces would be canceled. <laughs> so can you, yes. can you elaborate a little bit more on that point? Okay, so Paul says that Wives should respect their husbands. Mm-hmm. You know, the husbands are the head, yes. as Christ is the head of the church. And the husbands, you don't get away lightly. Come on. You must love your wife the way Christ loves the church. Jesus. Christ was willing to die for the church. Mm. That is how much he loved the church. And if our husbands are able to love us in that manner, wives will not have a problem submitting, I'm sure. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) But at the same time, Uh wives should not only submit because their husbands treat them as Christ treats the church. You submit Mm. because the Lord has asked you to. Mm. My God. And we should not forget either that it's not just what Paul says. Peter also says that Husbands, it should be mutual submission. Husbands should respect their wives as well. Oh my we, we tend to dwell on that Paul chapter in Ephesians, yes. and we forget about Peter's. You know, submission. you know, I as you're speaking, one of the things I'm realizing is that we don't we don't spend enough time as a whole. I think preparing people for marriage as just as a whole the body of Christ i don't think there's enough teaching on how to choose your mate and how to be found by 
you know, for women, how to be found by the one God has for you and for the men, how to find your wife. We have a lot of teaching on how to stay happily married or even reconcile. But I think the work should be, a lot of the work needs to be done at the front end because people are thinking, people are going into marriage with this terrible mindset of 50-50. You know, I'm gonna, not only, I'm gonna give 50, you give 50, we meet each other halfway. Not only with yeah. that, but even in giving of themselves, they're only giving 50. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> oh my goodness. Because they don't even understand how sacred marriage is and how it is part, it is literally almost like worship unto God in terms of how you, if you're the woman, allow yourself to be found by a man as opposed to how, you know, for a man, how he goes about finding his woman, because you're understanding that your biblical role, you're understanding that this union is something that is going to bring God so much glory in the earth that it can't be haphazard. I can't be selfish mm-hmm. about how I choose my mate or who I choose to marry, because I understand that my purpose, my God-ordained purpose is going to be attached to this spouse. So this means on the contrary, if I marry the wrong person, I have possibly thwarted. (laughs) I have possibly canceled my purpose and put myself on a detour. Right? Some people, it takes them years to be able to get back to where they should be in God because they went left when they married the wrong person. So, talk to that a little bit. Speak to that a little bit in terms of, you know, the lack of preparation before entering marriage that is happening nowadays. Okay, so we we enter into marriage as I did, <laughs> thinking that if it doesn't work, I can always leave. <laughs> that's that's a person. Wow. And that's a no-no, really. <laughs> Early in my marriage, <laughs> I remember saying that to my aunt, that if it didn't work, I can always leave. It's not a problem. And she said that's the wrong attitude. She went into marriage feeling the same way, and my grandmother had put her straight as well. <laughs> she said to me that if you have that attitude, it means you're always going to find a reason. To yeah. yeah. And so you really ought to be prepared to go into marriage, as I said earlier, to thinking of it as a lifelong covenant. And oh. so we have to tell the persons, be truthful about marriage. Yeah. There are challenges. Yeah. There will be challenges. There will be conflicts. It's not if you're going to have conflicts, it is what are you going to do when you have these conflicts? So prepare persons to be able to face challenges and to get back together after the challenge, how quickly you get back together as one. And two, it's only recently that I have recognized marriage in this way, the way I'm going to describe it. I still not, my head is not fully wrapped around it, but if I had learned of marriage in that way when I got married, married, I know many other problems I had that I wouldn't have had. Hmm. Okay, so think of marriage as an entity in itself. 
and you are separate from the marriage. Your husband is separate from the marriage. You, the marriage is an entity itself that you guard the same way you would guard a child. Mm. And so you are going to have your beliefs that you think should happen, but you are going to sacrifice some things for the marriage. So mm. each partner will sacrifice things to ensure that that marriage lives. And for me, when, when I heard that, I just thought, okay, so the Lord said, two shall become one. The one is the marriage. That marriage wow. is yeah. a living, the person described it as a living, breathing um, entity. Mm. And so wow. when the two becomes one, that wow. one is a marriage. And we should That's see powerful. the marriage as something that we should guard. That is powerful. I've never heard it described <laughs> that way. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that beautiful re revelation that yes, two becoming one and i think if we were to just look at that alone we can see where a lot of people struggle because a lot of times some people think two becoming one means i lose my identity i lose everything that i'm about because now i'm completely focused on someone else and vice versa and so they enter with fears reservations and saying i'm not willing to lose myself i'm still going to be who i am you can't change me blah 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 but which is true. You, you, if you find yourself having to conform to be someone else, to be with someone, that's a very toxic Long situation. Person. That's a toxic situation. <laughs> yes. Sorry to tell you, but yeah. this is all of this is if again you you even started the journey correct. If you started the journey wrong, you're gonna have a lot of difficulty trying to get it right. God can restore anyone, and He can restore anything. So. Even if you started wrong, it doesn't mean that God can't make it right. But for those that are still single, <laughs> that have not yet gotten married, we want to help you get the wisdom and the tools to avoid having to go through unnecessary difficulty because you married the wrong person or you entered with a wrong mindset in the yes, marriage. Sir. There's something yes. that you said a while ago, and that is if you have to change yourself, Hmm. You must show up as your best self. If you cannot be your best self in this relationship before hmm. you get married, then it's a wrong relationship for that you. That is absolutely true. You must no be matter. you. You must be you. You must be you. Self. You must be you. No, you know, pretending and no insecurities, just putting it all out. Why? Because, okay, so let's rewind the track a little bit so we have to understand before we are joined with a spouse we are first the bride of christ right yes. and so what that means is we understand that you know ultimately one day we're going to be reunited with the lord jesus and be one with him for all eternity but while we're waiting on his arrival every day we are making sure that we are that spotless bride, right? That's making him proud. We're making sure that we're denying ourselves. We're making sure that we're making necessary sacrifices. Anything that it takes to please our, our, our bridegroom, we're making sure that that's our focus because we love him so much and we know he loves us. So in the same way, 
when you enter that marriage, you die to self. Just like we have to take up our cross every day and follow Jesus. Yes, while you're not going to change, there's a lot of changes that you you are going to have to make to adapt to yes. the joining of the, this union. You know, if you think of even putting a screw in a wall or anything that requires two parts coming together, there's always friction. You know, it's like metals rubbing against each other and different particles coming together. So that means that, yeah, it's, there's some bumps in the road. There's some friction. There's some uh, things to over hurdles to overcome. You know, um, it is not like we said in the beginning, what Hollywood paints. <laughs> it is not this fairy tale situation where you know, you have two perfect people with no flaws coming together. No, 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 no. Yes. And there's one other thing too. That yes, ma'am, go ahead. That we are coming from two separate households. Oh my God. Different values, different oh. way of raising. We were raised up differently. Yes. The same word may have different meanings in our various families. And so sometimes you may be talking about love. And uh, I am seeing love as when you hug and kiss me, while you are seeing love as uh, when you provide, mm, when you yes. provide. And so there's a disconnect somewhere there. But And so we, we have to remember these things so that when the conflict comes, we remember that we are oh both different and we have to see where we can find some common ground. Oh my goodness. Yes. I mean, you're talking about so many variants, culture, background, personal history, you know, uh, the person's mindset, um, their, your likes, your dislikes. I mean, there's, it's literally two worlds colliding, right? right? And so that's why, again, you have to be very selective with this process and you have to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit to lead people together it has to be divinely orchestrated whenever we leave it up to the world to match make or to, you know or to our own devices we're going to make mistakes that are going to be costly mm -hmm. right um i mean you talked about just the different love languages like communication this is another big reason why marriages don't make it no. there's no effective communication right one person might talk too much. The other one don't talk, doesn't talk enough. Or one person is abusive with their language, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's so many variants. Or just people, because maybe they grew up in a household where they were not exposed to healthy marriages, they repeat the same toxic behaviors within yes. that marriage, which are things that should be explored even before you get married, trying mm -hmm. to find out that person's history. What kind of family yes. did they come from? What kind of environment mm -hmm. did they grow mm -hmm. up in? Because all of those things contribute to their makeup, right? Watch how they interact with their parents, with their brothers and sisters, all with their it. friends. Yeah, and can you can you talk to us about what are some of the red flags um, that you know people can look out for to know this is not the one? <laughs> God answer me. Well, we we said one earlier when they want you to change for them. Oh, that's God. a red flag when they want you to change for them. When you see them um, being abusive, maybe, mm. to other women, wow. especially, you know something is wrong. When they don't interact well with their parents. Mm. Because remember too, you are no 
moving into that family. And so if they're not interacting well with their parents, you are also going to be finding that you're going to be having a problem with them and with the family, the rest of the My family. God. So My you God. need to look for those things. Look for how they talk to you. Do they mm. talk down to you or do they see you as an equal partner? Those are red flags that you should look for. Those are really good red flags, Veronica. Thank you. And I know there is more. I wish we had time we could explore, but though you gave us some really good ones. And you know, the Bible warns us against being unequally yoked. Um, but do you, in your opinion, do you think that verse is just speaking to our religious beliefs, or do you think it's more to being unequally yoked than just us believing in the same God? I think it's more than the religious views. Yeah. I, I think it's how we interact with each other. Are you equal? As I said before, is there mutual respect? Yeah. Um, do, do we, or oh, oh, friends, <laughs> the friends that we keep, are they? friends that uh, you would want to be friends with as well. <laughs> your, your whole being then, it's your whole being, the, 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 the way you interact with others, the, your relationship with Christ, your relationship with your family, your relationship together. Is there equality? Are you on the same vein? And I, I, I'm not here saying that it must be uniformity in that you must think the same way, dress the same way, and so on. I'm just saying that there should be some level of sameness in terms oh. of how you treat each other then. That oh that's that word sameness is so good because as you were speaking, what I'm seeing is you know using cars for example, the union where you have two people that are on opposite sides of the fence, you know they're not going to be equally yoked. They're about to be unequally yoked. It's like I see two cars coming together to collide, <laughs> as opposed to the union that is. In alignment with God's will, I see two cars moving together in the same direction. So one union, there's a, what's the word? There's, so there's collaboration versus, you know, a, a crash, right? So one in one end, they're going to crash. In the other union, they're going to collaborate because they're going in the same direction. And yes. so that's really ultimately what uh, being unequally yoked is all about. It's that sameness. It's like our purposes are aligned, our mindsets are aligned, and even if everything is not aligned, we're we have enough humility to submit to one another, to learn one another, to to navigate life together. You know, one is not yoking the other one in in, in opposite directions um, because their hearts are in the in the same place, their minds are aligned, and there's room for God to come in because he's at the center to mold and shape them into the image that he wants them to bear in the earth. Yes. Yes. So 
Yes. Uh, so now I want to give you an opportunity to talk to us a little bit about in your own life. And I know you kind of alluded to this already, a little bit of your testimony, mm -hmm. how you navigated your marriage and what are some of the challenges you had to endure in order to be who you are today to teach us. Okay, so there, there was a point in my marriage when I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I felt unheard. I, I felt that I was being ignored, invalidated. Mm. You, you say things, and together you agree on something, and then she goes off and does something differently. And and so you, I, I felt that I was just being ignored. Wow. But then I prayed to God, and I asked God, please fix him. <laughs> He needs fixing. I don't, <laughs> of course, <Yeah>. I'm perfect. <laughs> Maybe not quite perfect, but near perfect. But definitely, there's something wrong with this man, and I need you to fix him, Lord. Isn't and, that what we all say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we we are we we all want to have our partners fixed. But then, God said, you need to change your mm. prayer. Mm. And so I prayed to God and asked him to let me see him the way he God sees him. My God. And, uh, and uh, this was where the change began. Mm. When I started praying for God to help me to see him the way that he sees him. And there was one other thing that God said to me as well. He said, I have not given you your spirit of fear. But a poor love and a sound mind do not give your power to anyone. Mm. And for me, what that meant was that I should not give my power to control my feelings to anybody. That's when I allow what my husband does to make me feel hurt, I'm giving my power to have control over my feelings to him. He is not God. And so I shouldn't see him as somebody who is able to control my feelings, mm. my, my actions. And, uh, and so th this is where I had that turn around. <laughs> that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. First of all, that prayer is powerful. And I would advise anyone who's tuned in who's excited about praying that prayer, just be ready for <laughs> the answer. <laughs> um, yeah, because at the end of the day, how does God see, see us and how does he love us? Well, his love is long suffering. His love is patient. His love, you know, is, is forgiving. Yes, it's yes. merciful. It's full of mercy. It's full of grace. If we haven't graduated to that yet, God, the, your marriage will be a training ground. It's gonna be, yes. it's gonna be a place where God's gonna train you spiritually. You know, use your spouse to literally sharpen you, right? Um, whether your marriage is good or bad, God can still use that marriage to sharpen you and make you better. Because ultimately, we have to give account for ourselves, right? When we stand before God, we will no longer be one. It, it will be us and the Lord um, having to give an account to him for our actions. So, you know, I know even looking back to the Garden of Eden, uh, there was a blame game going on. Adam 
you know, Eve was blaming the serpent, Adam blaming Eve, and it was just a mess because no one wanted to take accountability for their actions. Um, and so till this day, we all do the same thing. <laughs> right? Like we will say, you know, we'll go to God complaining about, oh, look, look what that spouse did to me and look how he hurt me or she hurt me. Never looking at, well, how did we get to that place? What did what do we contribute to that process? First of all, if we, we if we were even with the right person, like why did you open the door to even having that person in your life? What is it about you that was so welcoming? to that the wrong person, right? What's miss is it was it your faith that's lacking? Was it you didn't pray enough? Maybe your discernment was off. You were desperate. I mean there's all kinds of things that could be wrong. <laughs> you didn't have enough scripture, you didn't read your Bible, right? So we have to make sure that before we go on a you know a campaign to crucify our spouses because of what we don't agree with that they do wrong, we have to be ready for God to flip the script. Um because it's a double-edged sword, right? As we, we're we releasing it on them, that other side of it is coming at us to show us how maybe we could be more patient, more loving, more kind, more gentle, more submissive, more humble. Um, yeah. Because iron sharpens iron. And I believe that's one of the functions of marriage is to sharpen us and make us better. And we have to remember too that for that... God forgives us for our million mistakes. Million. So we can give our spouse forgiveness for the million and one lives. My goodness. And 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 you know I want to be realistic because because the divorce rate is so high. I'm pretty sure that there's someone tuned in or many that didn't make it right. So unfortunately, they didn't make it in time to, for this these nuggets to be uh, something that they could use in their marriage. And maybe they're still grieving the loss of their marriage. Maybe they're still hurting. I just you know, want you to know that one, God can heal you. God can restore you. And this is a time to sit in his presence and allow him to do just that. This is not a time to run and to be with someone else. This is a time to sit in God's presence and heal. Find out where did you go wrong? What could you have done better? What are some of the red flags that you ignored, right? What are some of the things that God told you that you did not do? Areas that you might have been disobedient. Um, and then give that pain to God. Because what happens is when we harbor all of that pain, then we cannot forgive that person, Right. Um, even if there's a hope for reconciliation, that hope is out the window because we're still harboring onto the hurtful experiences. And for someone, maybe God is going to ask you to contend for your marriage, even though it ended. Maybe God wants to restore that union and you are not to give up hope. This is your sign to keep praying <laughs> and keep believing God uh, through this wonderful testimony and podcast episode to know that God can restore um, your union. He can fix your spouse, but he wants to start with fixing you first. Amen. Yes. Amen. And, and uh, I, I would say connect with yourself first. Mm. And part of the connection is, as you said earlier, to forgive. Oh, I, I say release the hurts. Oh, release them. Embrace so the lessons. For, yeah. Because for every hurt, there is a lesson to be learned. Yeah. Yeah. Embrace the lesson and release the hurt. 
so that you can move on. Don't hold on to the hurt and become bitter and send up your blood pressure. There are no more things that happens to us physically as a result of holding on to hurts. And so we don't want to hold on to hurts because we don't I want mean, to get sick. Yeah, there's so many statistics that support how unforgiveness can literally make you sick and cause certain diseases. Yes. It's not worth it in the long run. No. And of course, ultimately, if our goal is to please the Father, then and love Him, you know, He He talks about the first commandment is loving Him, and then the next is loving the our neighbor, which includes our ex or spouse, wherever, as yourself, <laughs> right? But again, it kind of goes back to yourself because if you're not first rooted in the love of God, like rooted and planted and you're not made a whole as an individual you're not even ready to be joined with anyone because you haven't fully been grounded in god's love which means if god's love is not flowing to you it's not going to flow through you right if you're not receiving it first from him without any restriction you have nothing to give <laughs> Amen. Yes. And, and so it is harder to forgive. It is harder to forgive. And then if you have these two individuals in a marriage, it's going to be a loveless marriage because you have two people that maybe they're dealing with trauma from their childhood, trauma from their you know family or ex relationship, and they've come into this marriage with nothing to give. Yeah. <laughs> with you know you have two empty wells. And with two thirsty people, right? So you have two people that are thirsting, but with partners that have empty wells. So now what's going to happen? It's going to be a disaster. (laughs) Yeah. So you bring that love to you. And that that forgiveness is ever so important. And it's not just forgiving your spouse. It's not just that. It's any hurt that you take to the marriage. Yeah. can be a problem in the marriage. It can, it could be a hurt between you and your sibling from you who were two, well, maybe not quite two, or it could have been two, but about five years or so, where you are conscious about it. It is those hurts. Oh. It's any hurt at all yeah. can be a problem in your oh. marriage. So you want to get rid of all hurts. You want to release them. Mm, 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 mm. So and for someone, is, yes, the, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes, so that God's love now can flow freely through you. Because God. once there's a hurt, there, there's a blockage. There's something blocking God's love from flowing. So you want to get rid of them. My God. So, this is so good. Yes, those hurts need to go. And for someone who's struggling, I'll be transparent and say I was someone for many years that struggled with forgiving forgiveness of others that hurt me because I had a childhood mostly filled with so much pain and heartache and heartbreak and so many people that I loved hurt me. So I did not realize how much I had harbored unforgiveness towards them until I did. <laughs> And like you said, it definitely affected my relationship. It will affect your ability to trust people. It will affect your ability to to give of yourself to others freely, to be yourself. Sometimes you you become someone else because you don't want to 
give everyone, all of you, so you harbor some of who you are, you know, because you you just don't trust, to, you don't trust people enough to allow them into those intimate parts of your heart. Um, and that's not a life that is worth living because ultimately you're going to be tormented in your spirit. You're going to feel emotionally broken, wounded. Um, there'll always be a rift in your relationships because you've never fully healed from you know those emotional um or even physical experiences painful experiences that you've gone through yeah um, I, I, I was there too <laughs> yeah I, I was there too there it's, it's hard individuals that i found it very hard to forgive because oh. i just felt that they should have known better correct correct and you're right they, yeah. they should have known better but at the it end of the day at the end of the day, God holds us accountable for ourselves and not others, right? So yeah. it's like, okay, yes, the hurt happened. Yes, they what they did should have never happened. And judgment awaits them, and God will deal with them. But where for, unforgiveness comes in is that we think that we're somehow punishing the other person by harboring, <laughs> right, that unforgiveness. But, it's the reverse, right? We end up, come on, we lose self-inflicting. Yeah. There's one important thing here, too. We tend to forgive others more readily than we do ourselves because oh, we're telling good. ourselves, you were stupid, you should have known better. Why did you do this? Why did you right. do that? We what? must forgive ourselves. That's oh, that's so good. That's so Very good. important. That's good because... One of the reasons why people also make such poor choices in a partner is because they don't love themselves, right? Yes. A lot of times people marry beneath themselves or they downgrade because they did not know their self-worth in the beginning or they did not understand what they have to contribute, the treasures within them. So they settled for the first person that said, I love you, or the first person that reminded them that they were special not realizing that they weren't looking for this is for women a lot of women are not looking for a husband they're looking for a father True. and so they marry the first man that reminds them of their father not realizing that this man is not anointed to be your father he's anointed to be your husband which is two yes. different roles yep. so this is why we have to do the work um you know, as we said so many times within ourselves to make sure we're healed, we're whole. It has God's mathematics is one plus one equals one, right? So you need two whole people coming together for this union to really excel and work. And so I want to give you the opportunity now to, you know, give our viewers some scriptures maybe that you think might help them navigate this topic. Okay. So we want to remember God first, as we said, um, yeah. Matthew, oh gosh, I don't remember the exact scripture, <laughs> know what it is. <laughs> Take your time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and oh, all his righteousness and all yeah. these things will be added. Very important scripture. Yeah. When we seek God first for our marriages, everything else will fall into place. Even when we have our fights and our challenges, we will get back together more quickly. 
than when we are doing it on our own strength. So that, that is one thing that is important. We must also remember Ephesians 4 verse 2, be mm -hmm. kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving mm -hmm. each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We need to remember that, that we must forgive as Christ forgave. And there's one other thing that I want to say to us. Yes. First Peter 3 verse 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. But this is the part I want you to listen to carefully so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And I firmly believe that if Peter was here saying that men, when you don't treat your wives well, it will hinder your prayers. God will not hear your prayers. It's the same thing, wives, if we don't treat our husbands well. God, it will hinder our prayers as well. God won't hear our prayers as readily as if we are treating him well. So we want to be treating each other well in a marriage so that God will hear our prayers. That's very important. And I want to go back to Ephesians 5. Yes, ma'am. 22 to 27, wives, submit to your own husbands, <laughs> to your own husband's wife, as to the Lord. Yeah. This is because the husband is the head of the household. And I want you, if I have time here, just to see. Don't just think of him as somebody lording it over you. Mm -hmm. Remember, Christ spoke about servant leadership. Yes. He was willing to be a servant to others, yes. Christ. Yes. And so don't think of it that way. Think of it as president and vice president for the company. Your husband is the president, you mm -hmm. are the vice president, and you consult each other before making a decision. But, it, but the book usually stops with the president. But mm -hmm. it's a stupid president who will not <laughs> consult with his vice president. That's true. Okay, so look, look at it that way. Okay. Um, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy and without. And so this is um, Paul referring to all marriages as similar to the relationship between Christ and the church. And Ooh. we should never forget that. Present your best selves, was you your best selves, be that person that God intended you to be. Yes, and 100% committed. Don't put 50. Yes. As Dr. Shirley said earlier, it's 100%. 100, 100. And as you were reading that scripture, oh my goodness, something jumped in my spirit, especially when you talk about husband, love your wives. Um, I believe one of the major things that's happening nowadays is men are being trained to lust their wives, not love. There's a difference between you lusting after your wife 
and you loving her, okay? Because what lust does is it thinks of itself. It, lust says, what can I get from you? Love says, what can I give to you? How can I serve you? How can I make you smile? Lust is all about self, pleasing self, and what someone else can do to please you. And if you come into a marriage with that lustful mentality, you're never going to love your wife properly. It's always going to be self-serving. It's always going to be, she did it, not me, her fault, because you're so focused on self. And I just have to say that to someone, to a male who's tuned in, sir, we need you to love your wife, not lust after her, okay? Meaning that even in choosing your wife, your number one goal shouldn't be how she looks and how she walks and what she can do for you, you know? It should not be your primary focus. If that's your focus, that's you need to go back to the drawing board, okay? Because there's, if you're looking for beauty, the world is filled with beautiful women. If that's your only criteria, you're in trouble. Because every time you see a beautiful woman, <laughs> you'll want her, okay? So we have to understand really have a deeper revelation of what love is, which 1 Corinthians chapter 13 describes it. And if you if you don't know any scripture, just look at Jesus. He is the epitome of what love is, right? This man who left all his glory and throne to come down and be born in a humble manger only years later to be nailed on an old rugged cross had nothing to gain but everything to lose just because of love that's how you should be ready to serve your loved ones your family your wife you should be willing to let everything go for her to be completely about serving her to be completely about how you can make her smile there's no way that if a man loves his wife like that for her not to respond oh, and and reciprocate that yep. it's almost impossible right it, it's just i mean i'm sure someone might say well let me tell you my story but i think in a ideally speaking if when we do things god's way it just works it works it works, it works. we follow the blueprint we follow god's map for success, which the woman of God just gave us, especially in Ephesians chapter five, couples that are maybe tuned in, or if you're married and you're tuned in, I encourage you to go over that scripture with your partner and make sure that you look at each of those scriptures to say, are we doing this? Are we, is our marriage reflecting the scripture? And if not, that just means you have some homework, that there's room for growth, right? And you guys can do that study together and strengthen your marriage because as uh, Veronica said, your marriage should be like, you should be watching over your marriage as if it was your baby, your child, right? Guarding it, protecting it, giving it what it needs to grow and be strong, feeding it, right? Not, I mean, we're not really doing that today. We're not. <laughs> it's what I, what can I get? How am I feeling? It's not the is the marriage working? It's yeah. how am I feeling? What am I getting out of this? I'm not okay. And so 
I'm not willing to give because you are not giving and we keep watching each other and nobody's willing to give. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. This, this is just so good. Yes. And I mean, we could go on and on with this topic. I just love it. I'm enjoying it so much. And I hope that someone has been helped by this so far. I want to, as we come to a close, I want to give you one of the opportunity to you know, give some practical advice to someone that may be tuned in and they're on the brink of divorce or they're dealing with the aftermath of divorce and they just need some some help right now. What would you tell that person? Okay, I would say there are three things that we need to do. You need to, first of all, connect with yourself. Secondly, connect with God and mm-hmm. then connect with your spouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said earlier, the connecting with yourself is getting rid of the hurts, getting rid of those things or, or releasing, I should say, those things that are not serving you anymore in this season, and do those things that you are that brings you joy and peace, inner joy and peace, and all of those things comes from God. So it's your your connection with God is very important. That daily prayer, that daily going to Him and allowing Him to love on you. It's, it's not just you going and presenting a list of things to him. It is going and loving him, praising him, and allowing him to speak Mm. back to you. It's uh, now connecting with your spouse is observing him to see how he connects with other people, how he relates to other people. Is it that she loves to touch to touch and do things then you have to start doing touching him and doing things to please him is it that he loves when you persons to tell him things and he loves to talk then talk to him tell him you love him etc is it that he loves touches he, he, he loves to touch and do things and hug him and that sort of thing, or is it that, I think I might have said that before, is it that he loves visual things, to see things, to, he reacts to your facial expressions, etc. Well, do that too. You know, give him some eye contact, flirt with him, give him gifts, he loves to see things, that sort of thing. So find ways of connecting with him. Mm-hmm. And, and there are some communication blocks, some things that block communication, fear, is one thing and we we operate out of fear a number of times with a number of things and so we withdraw or we want to control our spouse we want him to do this and that we're acting out of fear just be vulnerable stop acting out of fear and just just be yourself amen be yourself and that's i think i saw here just be yourself your best yourself i love it this has been amazing woman of god lastly can you tell our viewers how can they get in touch with you if they'd like to okay they can go to my website veronicavsutherland.com wonderful well there you have it folks this is all that we have for you today i pray that something that was said resonated with you your situation and your spirit and leads you one step closer to jesus particularly for our our married um, couples that are tuned in today and most importantly if you're tuned in and you have not committed your life 
to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, my prayer is that today would be that day. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no better decision that will guarantee you the best possible life here on earth and when you leave this earth. After you've made this decision, I encourage you to find a good Bible teaching church that will help you to grow spiritually and be all that God created you to be. And for our ladies that are tuned in, if you're looking for a support system and a group of women to fellowship with and grow spiritually, please connect with us at Beauty for Ashes Global Women's Ministry, which is my organization where we offer a variety of ways where you can do just that from virtual small groups, girl talk sessions, conferences, retreats, and so much more. You can visit our website today at www.beautyforashes-global.com for all the ways that you can partner with us. And so God bless until we meet again. Thanks again to our very special guest, Veronica Sutherland. God bless the woman of God. Thanks for listening to A Word with Dr. Shirley, a platform for faith, inspiration, and empowerment. To connect with Dr. Shirley, follow her on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Shirley Lefebvre, or visit her website at www.drshirleyphd.com.